0: You're listening to the Murder Speaks podcast, the show that spills the tea about true crime. Here's your host, Wendy Hinbest. Hey, welcome back to Murder Speaks. Hope everyone's having a great week. So today's real crime story is about 19-year-old Jessie Bludgett of Hartford, Wisconsin. She was part of a young theater community, and she was a gifted musician. After high school, she attended the University of Wisconsin, Milwaukee, on a scholarship in music education. After graduation, she worked part-time at a restaurant, and she taught music to young students. She was an animal rights activist, and a supporter of social equality and an advocate against gender-based violence. July 14, 2013, Jessie played fiddler in the musical Fiddler on the Roof. After the play, she attended a cast party at a friend's house to celebrate, and later that night, they played Never Have I Ever, and they all flirted with each other. Around 1 a.m., Jessie left to go home. When she got home, she talked to her mother for a bit, then went to bed. The next morning, her father woke up early and went to work. Her mother dropped some laundry in her room and left for work as well. At noon, her mother came home for lunch. She assumed Jessie was still asleep. Around 12.30 p.m., a student arrived for a piano lesson. Her mother called her repeatedly, but received no response. So she walked into Jessie's room and found her dead in her bed. She was face down, blue and cold to the touch. Her mother frantically called 911. 911, what is your emergency? (laughs) My daughter is blue. I went to wake her up. And I just got home. How old is your daughter? 19. Okay, so is is she breathing? I don't think so, no. She's cold, she's cold. She's cold. She's cold, oh my God. She's cold. She's got, it looks like strangulation marks. There are strangulation marks? I don't know what's going on, I don't know what's going on. Why? Why was you? Ma'am, EMS is coming and police will be there shortly? He Jesus so good. He, so Jessie's room became a crime scene. Her mother told the police about the cast party. Apparently there were older guys at the cast party. That made Jessie feel uncomfortable. Jessie had a journal. She had an entry the night of the cast party. She wrote about how some of the guys made her feel uncomfortable. One guy was in his 40s and was flirting with her. Apparently, he was in a long-term relationship. Her friends went to Jesse's house and saw all the cop cars. Her dad tells them that Jesse was no longer with them. The police questioned the 40-year-old man that was at the cast party and he tells them they were just friends. Someone by the name of Dan dated Jesse. Police received a call from another agency about an incident two days before the murder on July 12th. A young lady was out walking when she was confronted by a man with a knife. He attacked her, but she managed to get away. She ended up with six cuts to her right hand and needed 15 stitches. She gave the police a good description of her attacker and his vehicle. A Richfield deputy ran the license plate, and the car was listed to an older couple, and they had a son named Daniel Bartelt. He was mentioned in Jessie's journal, and he was one of the people at Jessie's house with her father. The police interviewed Daniel. Somebody reported seeing Daniel's vehicle at the park. He admitted to police that he was the one who attacked the girl at the park. He tells police he wanted to scare somebody, but she fought back. They ask him about his relationship with Jessie. He says somebody raped and murdered her. Hey, don't forget to check out crystalkiss.com for my murder merch. Cool designs for all of you true crime addicts. If you live in the U.S. and buy three or more items, you'll get free shipping. Use discount code MURDER15, that's MURDER15, and save 15% on your entire order. Check out my YouTube channel, Murder Speaks. The link is in the show notes. But the police never disclosed that she was raped, so he became a possible suspect. They arrested him for the attack in the park. Detectives in Washington tells police that Daniel is making comments about his relationship with Jesse. He and Jesse met at Hartford Union High School, and they became good friends and dated for a few months until Daniel ended the relationship. So detectives go to Washington to interview him. He tells them about the relationship he had with Jesse. He was still dating somebody else while he was seeing Jesse. He still had feelings for Jesse, but they were just friends. He was still dating somebody else while he was hanging out with Jesse. He still had feelings for Jesse, but they were just friends. While talking to police, he pretended to cry. He didn't shed one tear. Daniel ended up dropping out of school and his parents told him he had to get a job. He told his parents he got a job. But while they thought he was at work, he was actually driving to various parks looking for his prey. He tells police that he was at Woodlawn Park the day Jesse was murdered. The police view surveillance footage and see him at the park around 12.10 p.m. Jesse was murdered around 10 a.m. Woodlawn Park was three miles from Hartford. The police searched the garbage can at the park and they find a cereal box containing ligatures and rope a ball gag and bloody paper towels and antiseptic wipes and a bloody spongebob squarepants beach towel the medical examiner compared the ropes and the marks found on jesse's body the police get a search warrant for daniel's property in the van They found a book about strangulation homicide and they found his laptop in the vehicle. He had been doing internet searches about serial killers the day before the attack in the park. Investigators take Daniel's DNA. The serial box had Jesse's and Daniel's DNA. Daniel's DNA was found at the ends of the rope and Jesse's was found in the middle. Daniel's DNA was found under Jesse's fingertips and his sperm was found inside her. Detectives found the plaid shorts he was wearing when he attacked the girl in the park in his closet and they were covered in bloodstains. There was a plastic bag containing pieces of tape covered in Jesse's hair. July thirty-first, 2013 Daniel was charged with first-degree murder of Jesse Blodgett. The police think they know what happened. Jesse left the party and went home. She talked to her mom for a bit and went to bed. She wrote in her journal and went to sleep. Around 8 a.m., her mother peeked in on her and left. And around 10 a.m., Daniel went in the house. He knew the house very well and knew it would be open. He went upstairs to Jesse's room, ties her up and strangles her. Then he cleaned her up and put her back in the bed. Then he went to the park to create an alibi. He wanted to fulfill his sexual urges. Jesse trusted him. The trial was October 14th, 2014, and he was found guilty. Do you know months before Daniel sexually attacked and murdered Jesse. They recorded a song together. I listened to it. She had a beautiful voice. She was obviously talented. I had chills listening to this song. Daniel Bartelt is currently serving a life sentence at the Waupun Correctional Institution with no possibility of parole. Jessie's parents started the Love is Greater Than Hate Project in 2016. Her father travels to schools, corporations, and nonprofits, spreading Jessie's message for men not to hurt women. Daniel is a very disturbed young man. He's exactly where he needs to be. And for everybody who knew Jessie, I'm very sorry for your loss. Thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode of Murder Speaks. Hope you enjoyed it. Please like and subscribe. Join me again on Murder Speaks. Thanks. Bye.